Hello and welcome to the F1 Strategy Report for Apex Race Manager. On this week's edition, the Mexican Grand Prix, Sebastian Vettel finally loses his mind. And which type of Mexican food will power you to a world championship? That's all to come in this edition of the Strategy Report. My name's Michael Laminato, and joining me to look back at the Mexican Grand Prix, he's from carsguide.com.au. His name's Peter Anderson. How are you? I'm very well. Hola. You've learned the local language. It's impressive. Have you had as many tacos as Lewis Hamilton says he's had? Uh, <laughs> Did anyone believe that he had only tacos, more importantly? Uh, it sounds like it sounds a bit like Warney's um, baked beans only trip to <laughs> Pakistan, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know how much cricket he's up to date with, Lewis Hamilton, but maybe he's borrowed some information from there. <laughs> it was a interesting strategy, nonetheless, for such a, a key time in the championship to go for the local food route. But I guess he can do what he wants. He's the reigning world champion for a little bit longer. <laughs> he is. Oh, he probably he probably has accepted that the only way he's going to win mm. is, is if um, Rosberg implodes. So. Mm. Maybe he should have slipped him some of the tacos and seen how that went down. I don't imagine he's a man who handled his tacos well, Nico Rosberg. The day-old fish tacos. That, that's the one he wants. <laughs> that's maybe with two rounds to go. That's the level of sabotage we'll be looking at. So you heard it here that's first. Right. It's an interesting weekend, the Mexican Grand Prix. Everyone looks forward to it, mostly for the atmosphere, not necessarily for the circuit, mm. which isn't really what it used to be since it was redeveloped last year. Last year's race, you know, we oh, all yeah. ride off the first race because it's a bit of a, well, it's first race everyone goes conservative this race promised to be equally unknown though because the track seemed very slippery it seemed like no one had used it since this time last year even though they had been racing on it to the point where in practice ferrari seemed very quick which ultimately wasn't the case it was that there was a bit of excitement there wasn't it? it's like hey mm. look ferrari after all this kind of carry on about how the world's ending at ferrari it's like oh well so yeah. and then, <laughs> it's the only way we can accept ferrari being quick isn't it that we assume the next day oh no you weren't acting Actually, something has to go wrong. That's right. And it did. Yeah, absolutely it did. They were nowhere in qualifying and they were questionable oh. in the race. So that's yeah, sort yeah, of a yeah. summary of Ferrari. Although Sebastian Vettel did play a key part, which we'll get to momentarily. Because we're still not completely sure what the podium is, it should be said. It could be decided later. I've, I've got the live feed in the background, so if anything changes <laughs> during the podcast, I'll let you know. Absolutely. When we go into qualifying, and what's been interesting this season, and it's happened in previous seasons, but particularly given the three-tyre rule, is that qualifying two which is the section where you get to choose your, your race mm. start tire if you're going to be in the top 10 you know usually if you're being a bit aggressive playing a bit left field you go for the harder compound in this case the soft which is the middle of the three whereas yeah. red bull racing they've normally been the ones to be able to do this they've completely gone the other way when everyone else is just cottoning on going no i think the best strategy and it's so refreshing to hear this is just to go faster than everyone yeah. and then pass some people look it that's racing, right? Uh, that's, <laughs> it's novel. That's the last time I heard. Rather than just trying to start from the front when you can't, let's mm-hmm. try to set up that, you know, might actually give some grip and, and, and allow a couple of um, Danny Rick, or in this case, Max Verstappen dive bombs. Yeah, it's an exciting way to go forward. They're doing justice to the sport, yep. I suppose. Hasn't really paid off yet, yep. must be said, but they keep trying. No, but maybe they're just getting ready for next year. Yeah, well, it is. it does oh. definitely have an air of that, doesn't it? The way that mm. they are you know choosing strategies really does feel like they're just trying to find out what mercedes is up to these days how they how they're going to operate next year when there's actually something on the line for them no that's going to be very interesting i mean i think playing with strategy is something that we're not really familiar with at the moment because it's been 
after refueling went, it just everyone just kind of went, oh, and, and because Pirelli kind of signals and says, this is a two-stop race, everyone goes, oh, okay, sure, yeah, no worries, thanks. Maybe we need to tell Pirelli to start telling them, this is going to be a six-stop race, and then see, see how they no go. It's a no-stop race, but that's mm. against the rules. <laughs> <laughs> and see how they go. Although yeah. we do know that Pirelli does the uh, maximum laps you can do on a tyre, and they are routinely ignored. <laughs> no one has ever, ever obeyed that rule, so maybe it's not necessarily that it's like back in the day when they ignored tire pressures and oh, yeah. tires were exploding everywhere and they said you should be building a bit of tire just pump them up says, yeah. it, says the manufacturer oh oh they fixed it just put some air in them that's usually yeah, the way they're meant to right. work that's so right. Verstappen had a go at the opening stint with those uh, super soft tires the faster ones they gave him just enough of a benefit to push Rosberg off the track which is I guess that's a good thing to do just before that though yeah. we will talk a little bit more about I guess driving standards later on in the race uh, just ahead of them, Lewis Hamilton sort of really ignored the first turn, just cut well, through the grass. What was, was your... just a Raikkonen Lasorce thing, yeah. wasn't it? Let's not yeah. worry about it. Pretty yeah. much. What was your... Yeah. Granted, there was a safety car almost immediately afterwards for an unrelated crash. And... No, no, the crash was totally related. They went, I can't believe he did that. They ran into each other. They made a point quite deliberately, I think. <laughs> That's a story that hasn't broken yet, but it will once we finally know what the podium right. is. You heard it here first. Do you feel like that required some further look into as a couple of drivers and even team principals raised after the race? What do you do there? I mean, Lewis and just about any racing driver who mm-hmm. is not... I actually think not even Nico Rosberg, who has flashes of gentlemanly driving occasionally. <laughs> not often. I, I, I think... He thought, oh, I got away with it, so I'll just leave it. And I think it's down to, like, there doesn't seem to be any real driving standards. Mm-hmm. Yes, he should have backed into Rosberg, but Rosberg was having his own troubles with mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> Ch- Chairman Max just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, coming in at a rate of knots. Um, and uh, the, the safety car kind of did it. I actually think they probably could have got away with the VSC, and they probably thought, oh, no, let's stick the safety car out there to, to stop all the grumbling. But... Mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is, he did he did just ignore the first corner, um, and then didn't immediately do something about it. So yeah, I do wonder what can be done about that. But yeah, it's kind of interesting that we have these. We every now and then at some circuits we have these corners where it's really easy to just cut through all of them, but mm. only at some of them. And this is a very Formula One thing where it just some sometimes on some occasions they decide to enforce the rules that they have those bollards sort of at the opposite end where you have to drive through that area. So it deliberately mm. takes you off course. Yes. Why not apply that regularly? Well, um, I thought uh, Ricardo's there should be an effing wall there is probably <laughs> the best. Um... From the Bernie Eccleston playbook. <laughs> That's right. Just stick a wall there. They won't go through that. Why aren't there stingers off the track? We need more stingers near the curbs. <laughs> Or just um, uh, just wire the drivers up to the battery, and if they do something like that, just zap the buggers. It's a behavioural approach. I like it. At least right. long term gains for the short term pain is important. Mm-hmm. It was considering that the soft tyre was meant to be the tyre that would last a lot longer, and it did for for a number of cars, but was also not meant to have the pace. I mean, the point is of a harder tyre; it's not meant to go as fast. Mm. By the end of the opening stint, at which point. Uh, Verstappen, well, he came in on lap 12 and the difference was uh, seven laps or eight laps between Hamilton and
Jonathan Rosberg pitting uh, closer to lap 20. He only lost about two seconds on the front runners. Is this a case of tyre management for a one-stop race, do you think? Or are we actually seeing, and I guess we have seen for a couple of races now, if the conditions are right, that Red Bull Racing, if only the regulations were the same next year, would actually be in a point where they are now challenging Mercedes? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they were certainly very quick in the race, um... Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, if things were to stay, because, you know, I, I think as we saw over the V8 era, that as, as time marched on, the gains at the front were less and less. Um, Absolutely. And, and everyone just kind of caught up, which is why I was so furious when they went, hey, we're going to cut costs <laughs> by making it heaps more expensive and and ruining li- the lives of the mid-pack back. So, um, <laughs> and then as it turns out, Red Bull. So, um yeah, I think next year we'll throw the cat amongst the pigeons. But I, I do think um, that what they're learning this year is they're going to have to rely mm-hmm. more on strategy, particularly if they don't get the technical package right out of the yeah. box. Um, that was a fairly circuitous route I took <laughs> to that point. But um, I think, because uh, we were just saying before, oh, we're, we're trying strategy. Who, who'd have thought? Um, so it, it's almost a pity that they're not staying the same, but... Um, Given that the changes aren't the hyper-expensive changes of last time around, I, I don't think the gap will, gaps will be as big. Well, we can keep our fingers crossed. Well, strategy is obviously yeah. good news for this program, and goodness knows I need a future here, so yeah. why not? <laughs> now, while Verstappen was attempting to take the battle to the front, and he couldn't quite manage to make it work at the first stop, as we'll soon learn, Ricardo was setting himself up for maybe the most ambitious one-stop imaginable, yes. ultimately became a two-stop. He stopped on lap one behind that virtual, and then later actual, safety car. Mm from the super soft he qualified on onto the mediums dropped all the way down to p17 uh considering that you know behind a safety car people will normally expect well he's going to be a free stop he'll lose you know three or four places he lost a lot more yeah, what was your thinking at that point in time did you see him becoming a, a challenger and ultimately podium finisher by the end of the race I, I did think at the time and normally i'm wrong about this stuff but i did, <laughs> I did think at the time hey this could almost work if I didn't think that for a second they were going to get away with one stop. I really didn't. And I think the way they wanted him to drive and the way he wants to drive, mm-hmm. it was never going to be a one-stop race for him. And so that I think they just did... They must have like a live strategy computer and they've just plugged in the numbers and gone, you know what, we can get away with this. Mm-hmm. Because when he bolted on the softs later, he flew. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, he really went. And it, so that worked. And, and it just goes to show that Pirelli is not always right. And... <laughs> If, if you've got some quick-thinking strategists... I mean, yeah, he didn't actually come third on the track, but he came third. Um, but, yeah, he was in with a shout. Uh, and I think given his... Um, the, the sort of tricky start he had, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't good either. And, and this fact that he was not in a great spot to start with, uh, I think... It, they probably just thought, bugger it, let's give it a whirl. Because they probably were thinking there was another safety car coming. By the time we got to sort of the close of that first pit stop window, Ricardo had caught up to Verstappen. So it seemed to be working mm. out at that point. Granted, we didn't yeah, know. Yeah, it really did. And yes, if he got a proper safety car kind of mid-race when everyone was like, oh, should we change? He could have been right up there. I mean, Verstappen did his best to try and give us a safety car, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. He, he worked <laughs> on it. it. Unfortunately, it didn't come to fruition. Have it a whirl. That ropey pass he did was fantastic. <laughs> the thing, though, after all that work coming up from 17th, yes, most people ahead of him stopped, so there wasn't that much work in it in the end. He just had to, mm. as the Red Bull strategy is these days, drive fast, which is nice. And, and not fall off the road, yes. Yeah, yeah. Stay on the road. Don't cut any corners and, and you 
you'll be fine. They mm. almost, in fact, they were very confident during the race that they had at least Nico Rosberg, who's always the target of being picked off these days, it seems, despite yes. leading the World Championship. But for all of that work, it was Sergio Perez, the guy probably busy waving to the crowd for all 71 laps. <laughs> they got stuck behind him and ended up four seconds behind Rosberg after those stops, the single stops, the single opportunity they had. Yeah, well, the problem they've got with old Checo is the engine behind him is better mm-hmm. than the engine behind them so um, like you last year I think Checo drove out of his skin and got whatever he was going to get out of that car and there was no way anyone was getting past him and, and just to your point about Rosberg I think everyone knows he's coasting for an easy championship win he's not going to go all out because he doesn't need to he's just got to keep finishing not too far behind Lewis and he's fine so he's the, he should be everyone's t- he should be Manor's target <laughs> I've never seen a happier second place getter I think to yeah. be fair you're right yeah. it's incredible the turnaround we spoke about this briefly last week and it really does seem to be the case although granted he just was nowhere this time around in Mexico nowhere in practice not really anywhere in qualifying and again in the race but I mean, mentally, do you feel like that's a little bit of a risk for Rosberg if he's approaching every race and going for second? And I guess second to that, we know he's done the work necessary, obviously, to earn the points because he's Mm. leading the championship. That much is obviously beyond doubt. But if he gets through these next two races, which will be four since he really seized this championship with one hand and doesn't win any of them, what what effect do you think that's going to have on the legacy of this title? Well, it's, it'll, it's a legacy on Rosberg. If he doesn't get it, he'll be absolutely uh-huh. utterly crushed. I mean, I wouldn't want to come out in public after that. <laughs> Having said that, I mean, his dad won a championship by winning one race. Mm-hmm. I think that's about as conservative a championship win as you can possibly <laughs> imagine. <laughs> like, I mean, the guy just went, oh, geez, I think I'll just hang back here and watch everyone else self-destruct in front of me, which is what they did. Yeah. Um, so... I would say that Dad's going. Listen, I mean, could you imagine dinner table? Listen, mate, I won a championship with just one win. You can do it with with ten, you know. So what do you need with nine for? You show off. Yeah, what a waste of time. Right. In my day. <laughs> We'll wait and see how we go when we get to Abu Dhabi. That was the fight shaping up at the front between the Red Bulls. Couldn't quite strategically overhaul Mercedes, although got painfully close. It was painfully close. Mm. Meanwhile, for Ferrari, Sebastian Vettel was trying, I guess, a unique strategy, given he was doing quite a long first stint on the soft tyre. He got to lap 32 before he changed to the mediums, and it was a one-stop race for him. Was actually in contention for the podium. Uh, I guess we could say until, tentatively, he rocked up behind... uh, mate Kimi Raikkonen, his teammate in the middle of the race after his stop yes. and then as he was approaching Raikkonen mysteriously disappeared. He did didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Whoops, where'd you go Kimi? <laughs> oh they called me into the pits I don't know why <laughs> I don't know why can we believe? I mean, it's so, it's so unfortunate given this season Raikkonen's really sort of picked up his game or maybe Sebastian Vettel's really, really dropped his game. Either way, to yeah. have a situation where you're leading your teammate and they go, no, oh, this doesn't feel right, and yeah, then call you into the pit. Like this. I, I would be... I'd be pretty cranky because... So Kimmy, Kimmy said recently that he's feeling, he's feeling like he's got the team behind him. <laughs> and if that's what's happened, that's a dumb move on Ferrari's part. Uh, mm. because then Kimi will suddenly feel like the team isn't behind him anymore. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I do get the feeling that a River Bene is more in love with Kimi than he is with with Vettel. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel that Vettel's quite got a River Bene's confidence as much as Kimi does. So I'm a, I'm each way bet on, on what's happened here with, with that stop. But it does <laughs> seem 
Mighty suspicious. Well, the only driver in the entire field, not even top 10, to use a used set of tyres after the ones they started the race on. Yeah. A used set of mediums too, not even as other drivers did after pitting. He stopped on lap 45 for his second stop, did Kimi, which yeah. was uh, roughly when anyone else on a two-stop stopped. Yeah. Went on another set of mediums. Not a soft, not a super soft. Yeah. He went just for another set of used mediums, which doesn't sound that exciting as a strategy. Look, it's not very racy. No. I'll, I'll give them that. I mean, it's like, you know, strolling into a into a Ferrari dealership and saying, you know what, I'll just have the old 308. <laughs> I'll, I'll be fine. I don't need the 488. The 308 will do me fine. It doesn't seem right, does it? And I'm going to get it in white as well. <laughs> yeah. Can I have a white one? And I'll just... Yeah. Can I just... Have you got any spare Magnum moustaches? I'll, I'll just pop that on. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, so in keeping with Ferrari, I suppose, in many respects, but yeah. just not the Ferrari we want to see, I suppose. Yeah, it's very odd. <laughs> what, what is it? Scrubbed mediums? Sure. <laughs> it's, uh, well, it's very, it's just a long, uh, the latest in a long line of, well, of Ferrari strategy decisions after we've seen, well, this whole second half, not even second half, most of the year from Australia. Has anyone checked to see if Sam Michael's working for them? Because that's. <laughs> It's, it stinks of Sam Michael, that decision. He's the one with the magnum moustache on in the pit lane, I think. <laughs> He's fooled everybody. <laughs> you sound like Sam Michael. No, not me, mate. Oh, I'm <laughs> South African. <laughs> they sound so similar. Who would, who yeah. would disbelieve him? I'm related to Gordon Murray. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I don't. Yeah, it just that had a, a stink of Sam Michael about it. Yeah. Um, well, that's yeah. it. certainly put a new twist on it anyway. So, well, carry yeah, that one right. with you. See how we go in Brazil and maybe you're under something there. Yeah. <laughs> so that was Raikkonen out of proceedings. But then Vettel did have a reasonable strategy because he was the one on newest medium tyres out of anyone one-stopping, and that included Verstappen. Mm. 20 laps was the difference between him and Verstappen. So it's no wonder they were, well, he was approaching them quickly. And before you knew it, Raikkonen came into play because he switched to a two-stop on new softs. Yeah. Take note, Ferrari. Yes. And that worked out for him very well until they all came together. Yeah. Now this was uh, a case of Sebastian Vettel attempting things on Verstappen and then Ricardo attempting things on Sebastian Vettel. Let's start with the well, the one that started it all, which was Vettel attempting something on Verstappen. Mm. But Verstappen did, as we sort of alluded to earlier, just sort of cut that first turn. And despite the most biased observer, that being necessarily the Red Bull pit wall going, no, oh, you should probably give that back, yeah, mate. Yeah. Did it, no. Didn't do it. Didn't Just didn't do it. Why would you? <laughs> Why would you take any notice of people who probably know what's going to happen? Mm. Look, young, young Max has um, certainly some very forthright views on how <laughs> a race should be run. Uh, it would be nice if he listened to the people who've been doing it for a long time. It's like since before he was born. <laughs> Which is one of the first drivers we can really say that with confidence for. Yes, Yes, uh, kids today, millennials, all of that. I bet, I bet he eats smashed avocado all the time. <laughs> He's a quick driver. He'll never own a house. Very local that's, reference, but it's like, worth it for the people who understand. <laughs> too busy sipping lattes. Um, no, he. Uh, I, I wonder whether Helmut Marco has made a monster here that he can't control. Well, it's a little. It's got a little bit of the air of height of Vettel powers doesn't it where it's sort of a guy who knows he's good knows the team have literally gone out of their way to make sure he stays with them I mean what what obvious recourse is there for a driver who doesn't listen to the team well if if you've got if you know the team has just bit pretty much 
cut their throats to get you, mm-hmm. you know you, you're on a you're on a winner. And they've locked him in for a long time, so they've got a long time to put up with him. Yeah, put up with him is probably uh, going to be the way to do it in the end. It's it- yeah. Well, he, he better start winning <laughs> on his own terms, not not sort of help to a win with a, with some clever strategy. It's surprising that he couldn't understand or chose not to understand or whatever the situation was that had he given the position back at very least Mm. he could have had another go that's the thing I don't understand there are people who can argue at this point that you know well he's a racing driver probably future world champion of course they're going to think that they're always right but on the other hand in the situation where he was judged to be in the wrong which he ultimately was he had no chance to take the position back and that's that's what makes the least sense to me and I think you know Take the moral high ground. If you are, if you do, if you do give it back and you don't get it back, you can say, "Oh well, that was a terrible decision." But da, 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 da. and in the end, he probably would have ended up fourth, maybe instead of yeah. fifth or wherever. <laughs> I don't know. Anywhere from fifth to tenth at this point, isn't it? Really, classification pending. Yeah, classification pending. You know, someone somewhere will have done something else wrong. Anyway, um, yeah, at least he could have said, "Oh, I was robbed." Um, and everyone would go, yeah, yeah, you could have been. Like, there's an argument for that, but there's no argument for being robbed when someone says to you, you know what, pal, you should you should just pull that back, yeah. and you go, nah, <laughs> you just you just look like like that one little nah makes you look like a total jerk. Yeah, I mean, look, when when Vettel makes his own decisions out in the car, at least you can say, well, he's won four world championships. Mm-hmm. He knows a thing or two about how to make this happen. Max is still in a position where, yes, he's, he's really, really fast, but he's still got to listen to people who understand racecraft. Mm. Because as you, as you rightly say, the Red Bull approach is go really fast. Yeah. He, that doesn't teach racecraft. This is true. It doesn't think about the long game so much. It's something that he... No. Well, I mean, we saw even last time out the, the now infamous quote, I'm not here to finish fourth. Eventually, he did finish fourth at this race after he retired from the United States. Uh, but that shows, yeah, a real lack of, of the long game approach that you would expect from, yeah, someone like Sebastian Vettel or Jensen Button or, or any of the of the older drivers. Kimi Raikkonen, even, if he thinks about the game at all. He's <laughs> in the car. Leave him alone. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> Now, that set off a chain reaction because that did bring uh, Daniel Ricciardo into play, who was yes. already gaining on those new soft tyres, but the fight certainly brought him back into the into contention. And when many people would have been siding with Sebastian Vettel at this point that, oh, he should have been ahead of Max Verstappen. He sort of put some people offside after seemingly making, or oh, I guess the stewards judge it to be actually making, <laughs> uh, a move in the breaking zone yes. uh, when defending against Daniel Ricciardo. Extremely ironic, given he's been the one that asked the FIA to ban this after Max Verstappen did that to so many drivers in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, you know, heat of battle, <laughs> what happens on the track, yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah, look, I, I didn't think much of it when I saw it, actually, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, Ricardo was pretty cut up about it. So, And look, he's a pretty fair kind of guy from, from what I've seen in the past and what we've all seen in the past. He doesn't make complaints for no reason. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if nothing else, Vettel would at least... You know, having raced with the guy, know that he's a pretty reasonable sort of chap. And often we do see Sebastian carrying mm-hmm. on like a pork chop, and then afterwards going, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, nah, maybe that was my fault, or maybe I should like, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's an interesting chat being had with um <laughs> with uh Charlie Whiting as we speak uh-huh. uh, about a number of matters, uh, <laughs> but yeah, 
So I will give Vettel that. He does calm down afterwards, in stark contrast to the Red Bull days where he would double down. Mm-hmm. So the irony was not lost on me. Uh, in fact, all of the magnets in the house were sprung onto the computer screen when I read that. Uh, <laughs> the, such was the enormous amount of ferrous uh, material in that particular <laughs> article. Uh, but yeah, two years ago, I would have been like, oh, that's tremendous, you know. But now it's kind of like, oh, come on, mate. I kind of expect more from him these days. Mm, it's, it's a little bit of that, yeah. isn't it? Considering the uh, the Vettel we've been delivered at Ferrari is one who does complain mm. a lot. And as you say, when he's out of the car, it's not so much. But I think he really stepped it up a level this round as well. Yeah. In fact, I, you could almost feel him melting down to Fernando Alonso levels of, yes. of of just sort of disconnect where, you know, Fernando Alonso will laugh at things the team says that are not funny, they're serious yes. matters. Whereas Sebastian Vettel completely blew his top at, at Charlie Whiting, the race director, who had no communication with him at any no, point. No. I know he's obviously trying to get his attention, but... I mean, that was that was really the next step from Sebastian, it wasn't it? It was pretty rugged, and it's like when people attack the royals. It's like, <laughs> you don't have a right of reply. Yes. So just leave them alone. Um, and uh, it's also a dumb idea because Prince Philip will have you killed. <laughs> no, he won't. That is just a joke. Just a joke, everyone. Um, but uh, it was a bold plan, and I don't know that it worked out for him that well. Um, and you, you do wonder if... His post-race penalty may not have been quite so vicious had he been a little uh, more temperate during the race. Mm -hmm. He really doesn't seem to understand that stuff goes against you on the racetrack as much as it goes for Mm -hmm. you, particularly when you're in a red car. The chips tend to fall in a better direction than they would for other coloured cars. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, try being a McLaren five, five, six or ten years ago trying to get anything through. Like, someone could dr- literally drive you off the track into a wall and kill a McLaren driver, mm-hmm. and a Max Mosley run FIA would go, mm, you were in the way. <laughs> so... It is a very different world, uh, being at Ferrari, and yeah. certainly a very different FIA. I guess we'll wait and see if anything more comes out of some of the commentary Sebastian Vettel made on Charlie Whiting. And yes, you can look it up on YouTube, I can only imagine. Because <laughs> it was really... I mean, so many sports have... or oh, virtually every sport have a rule against you know, criticising an umpire or an independent arbiter of some sort. So to, to have a go at Charlie Whiting, who is the race director, of course, and, mm. and a man who doesn't really have a high profile in Formula One, and he's not one of the stewards either, is, no. yeah, I think you described quite aptly, quite rugged. Yeah, and, and I think because he doesn't have that instant right of reply, mm-hmm. you're really not making any friends and influencing people. So um, I think he's going to find his license filling up rather more quickly <laughs> with points than he might otherwise want. Um, but look, I would imagine that he, being a four-time world champion, he's the kind of guy who can roll up to Charlie anytime he likes and have a chat. And I'm sure Charlie just laughed. Mm-hmm. But publicly, they're going to have to do something about that because you can't have, mm-hmm. again, a, a multiple world champion mouthing off like that because it's that's the same reason you can't sling off at umpires in sports that have balls in them mm-hmm. because... I don't know what they're called. We don't care. <laughs> because the, the grassroots kiddies think, oh, well, if they can do it, so can I. Mm-hmm. So I think, they, I think young Sebastian is going to have an example made of him. And if he's really unlucky, he's going to have to do some awful FIA road safety <laughs> volunteering during the, the northern winter. And that's going to suck for him. Yeah, I can't. Because he doesn't like that stuff. I can't imagine a sort of Red Bull solution from Istanbul all those years ago of, of Sebastian Vettel taking a photo next to Charlie Whiting with the shit happens expression. I can't yeah, imagine that being the outcome. 
or the uh, Damon Hill, Michael Schumacher sitting on the Armco shaking hands photo. No. That ages me somewhat. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, I, I just hope the FIA punishment is, is just really troll-worthy <laughs> rather than just slapping him with a $10,000 fine that's, you know, what he spends on a lunch. Mm-hmm. For As a final note on the strategy of this race, I want to talk briefly about, I think, a, a little piece of psychological strategy, which was after the sort of uh, hubbub of all of this, after Max Verstappen was asked to leave the green room. That in was a, tremendous. Yeah, wasn't it? Just sort of like, <laughs> oh, sorry, guys, got to go. Turns out I'm not on the podium. Has any other driver t- tried just turning up in the green room to see what would happen? <laughs> well, actually, I half expected Checo to turn up. Just Perez <laughs> come bounding in and go, I don't know about you guys, yeah. but no jury would convict me of this in, in my home, home country. And who would ask him to go? Who'd have the heart to have him leave the Mexican podium? But I liked Max Verstappen after the race when asked about incidents he probably didn't see because they all happened behind him, but it, he was game enough to have a go anyway. Because saying that Sebastian Vettel of all people, and this coming from a teenager, had to go back to school and, and <laughs> pick up some cleaner language. How's that? There's some amazing... Uh kettles meeting pots uh, in this in this race you can tell it's the end of the year everyone's getting a bit ratty everyone's just you know everyone's ready to get ready for their holiday on South Mole Island you know it's just people they do need to chill out a bit maybe they do need a Thai Grand Prix so they can all spend a weekend on, a, on an island somewhere just calming down well maybe they don't want to go to Abu Dhabi oh says so thinks the Ferrari drivers we have to hang out in Ferrari world with the plebs for a couple of days um there's a lot of attitude in uh, Mexico. Maybe it's the tacos. Maybe it was the tacos. Maybe yeah. Lewis Hamilton should stop sharing around the tacos. Just had some, just all had a bit of gas from the tacos, <laughs> and they just weren't feeling very happy about it. I mean, to be fair, and on, a, on an almost serious note, Mexico City is high up in the sky, mm-hmm. um, and they probably had headaches, all of them. <laughs> 2.2 or 2. something kilometres above sea level, 2,000 metres something or other. Uh, yeah, it'd be enough to give you a headache, I think, especially if you... Plus, yeah. I mean, the pollution, you can cut cut it out and take it with you. The pollution's <laughs> so thick there on, on some days. So. Plus, I think if you review the footage from Formula One, I don't think there's a single shot in which a mariachi band is not oh, that present. Would, that would drive me crazy. So if you had if you had mariachi bands following you perpetually, it'd probably be enough for <laughs> all of those I things. I reckon in like. two weeks they'll still be waking up in cold sweats in the middle of the night every time they hear a trumpet. <laughs> Just shouting tequila as they wake up from from a horrible nightmare. Does funny things to you, the Mexican Grand Prix. It was an intriguing race, I think. Not the action-packed one we wanted, but, well, we got a race. Contractually, we had to have a race. We got got three laps of of drivers just losing their minds at the end. Mm Uh, and then the FIA losing their minds (laughs) and then drivers losing their tempers Mm -hmm. and then weird stuff happening on television. I mean, it was pretty funny. Mm. If anyone Um, sort of just tuned in for the end, it was pretty satisfying, I think. So in that respect, uh, I think everyone got what they paid for. Absolutely. (laughs) Peter, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Where can people find more about you? Uh, Carsguide.com.au. I... I'm regularly to be seen being either a buffoon uh, about cars or being serious about cars um, either in in, um, the typed word or in videos. Um, Yeah, so that's pretty much all I'm doing at the moment, just driving lots and lots of cars and enjoying that. It's all about the light and shade. Someday you can be a buffoon, it's fine, it works. Well, the last one that went up was the... um, the Skoda Superb and we kicked off with a joke about uh, about synonyms for superb so that's my <laughs> well you can go find that carsguide.com.au it's been a pleasure to have you on the program thank you so much thank you very much for having me 
And we're out of time for this edition of the Strategy Report. If you want to read more about the strategy of the Mexican Grand Prix, you can go to f1strategyreport.com and read Jack Leslie's write-up of all the action from Mexico City. Or search for F1 Strategy Report on Facebook and Twitter. The F1 Strategy Report is powered by Apex Race Manager, the new name for the mobile strategy game you used to know as Formula Legend. You can update to Apex Race Manager or download your first copy on iOS and Android devices and search for Apex Race Manager on Facebook and Twitter. My name's Michael Laminato. You can find me at Michael Laminato on Twitter and join me in two weeks' time when we look back at the Brazilian Grand Prix.